Only an expert can deal with the problem. Push me and then touch me till I can get my satisfaction. Push me and then just touch me till I can get my satisfaction. Hello and welcome again to season two of Chillin' Ambitious, the podcast that points that shit you didn't know was relevant. This is the Life Innovator series and we'd like to welcome you to the dream. I'm O. I'm No. And together we make Oh, oh No. So really excited because um, our guest that we're having on today just kind of like opened up our minds a lot. Um, she is a professional dominatrix. She is a pro-dom. Yeah, she is a pro-dom. Mina Mina McQueen. And she's absolutely fucking gorgeous. But what was really exciting was that after the interview that you're about to hear, she actually took us to a dungeon. Yeah, she took us to uh, her the place that she does her work. It's called Mistress Morgana's, her maison. Her La, la maison. Um, maison de la maison. <laughs> maison no, de la maison. La ma- wait, what? What's it called? Welcome to Maison de la ma- maîtrise. Ma- maîtrise? Maison de la maîtresse. All right. Um, Mistress Morgana. Mistress Morgana. Celebrating 20 years of exquisite kink. 20 years. Yeah. So, but it was so fucking baller. It was like this beautiful space uh, in San Francisco, private location. So, way underground. Way yeah. underground. Beautiful, though. And like every room was just decked lots of out. Velvet, uh, Baroque. It was very, yeah. there was like lots of like elaborate like rugs and. But you walked into the rooms and then what was beautiful about like you kind of at first didn't notice that it was like they were dungeon rooms like because it was just really well styled. And then you're like, oh, look at that chair. Oh, there's a hole in it. Why is there a hole in it? Oh, there's like a <laughs> there's a harness at the at the bottom of the chair. So like someone's head can go in it. Um, it was legit. You it know, was legit. Was there were tacky. cages. Like, that's how they're yeah. supposed to be. Cages, hooks, like. It's not a Halloween kind of thing. Body really. bags. Yeah. But it was very well decorated. It's very well decorated. It's beautiful. Lots of props. And uh, yeah, well, we were walking over there. Uh, Mina was explaining to us, you know, the secrecy about about the location. And um, so, we, you know, you can check out the website and find out more about it. Mistress Morgana. But you have to go com. through quite a vetting process to see if you're down. Yeah, because, <laughs> I mean, it is a, it's, there's a lot of trust involved in this community. Like, you know, there's literally people going there saying like, oh, I have these unique fantasies. Will you help me live them out? Almost. And so you're like, there's so much secrecy and trust involved in that, that, I mean, it makes sense that it's not something that they like. Yeah. I mean, inherently, it's already exactly to that point. And then on top of the fact that it does very much blur the line of, you know, prostitution and all these things that, because that's still not legal in the U.S. or we don't have certain laws for it. But let's be fair because 
it is a gray area because technically dumb being a dom is not illegal. The acts themselves, it's not necessarily performing a sex act. Like it's performing acts that other people find pleasure in. So it doesn't mean that like you are going there and having sex with this person. Exactly. Um, It doesn't mean that that doesn't, that some people don't do that or that that line doesn't blur sometimes, but the majority of what they're, what they're getting paid to do is to domineer others. And that is what turns those people on. Lewd acts though is where, is where the blur. Um, Yeah. But actually, what does that mean? (laughs) What, what is lewd act? Yeah. It's so interpretive. It's a non-prude act. Yeah. How many things can we think of that are lewd that are legal Um, that people don't normally put into that category? That's true. Um, But we actually learn aside from like people saying inappropriate things to women on the street. You could say that's a lewd act. That is a lewd act. Yeah. But that's not illegal. It's not. Yeah. So it's completely interpretive. Or like people pressing up on you in the subway and it's like, oh, it's just crowded. But like the intention. Well, it's the intention, right? Right. And that's getting into super gray area. Um, What's really cool is we talked to Mina about um, what being a dominatrix has kind of helped her with and helped her grow. Um, It's actually like a really interesting um, perspective. I never would have thought of. Yes, and as you will be able to tell when you hear the episode, I was very excited about it. Oh, over here. Uh, it's something that I've been exploring personally as well. And um, just it was really cool to get to talk to someone who's doing it professionally and get her perspective and see how it's how that sort of BDSM thing happens in a whole community. Sucking on my titties like you wanted me Calling me all the time That Bondi check out my Chrissy behind It's fine all over the time What else is in the teachers of peaches? Like sex on the beaches So no Yes You know there was like People are like you should You should go for what you want Like know what you want I feel like every other Beyonce song Probably <laughs> is talking about Uh Yeah I mean, I don't know if every other Beyonce song, but she just knows what she wants. Yeah, she just emanates she's, it. Yeah, because she's flawless. But, like, how do you get there? Like, uh, what happens, like, how, what if you don't know what you want? I think you just have to start trying things to know what you want. Yeah. Um, like, actually, I think one of the best pieces of advice I got when I was, like, just out of high school and, like, going to college and kind of being like, I like all these things, was that someone told me that it's a lot easier to figure out what you don't like than what you do like. So then you can kind of just start crossing those things off the list and it'll usually lead you in a direction that you do like. And then if you're lucky enough, you kind of fall into like saying, I I like all these things and combining them and trying it out. Like what I'm doing right now is like trying it out. Oh, this is what my dream life looks like. (laughs) Let me quit my job and like live half the year here and live half the year there and work on what I want to do full time and then just see. Yeah, you have to try it. Like assess it. While you're doing it. And you're like, oh, I don't get to do all these things. Or I do get to do all these things. I don't like this as much as I thought I did. Right. Yeah. And I do like, like that. More than I <laughs> <laughs> so then it's just a process. You yeah. don't get sucked into the like, oh, what if it's what I don't want to do? I feel like so many people don't go towards something because they're just so afraid that that's, that's not what they're going to want to do. Well, I think you can also do it in like s- small steps. Like you can kind of like 
like take, FOMO just even under oh, you're like every FOMO. like you're every day being like oh should I get you know should I get the shrimp taco or should I get the carnitas and then like you get really you get really stuck between because you're afraid you're going to miss out on the one that you like really wanted so my advice but I know that I come from like I I'm privileged in this way is that I could would order both tacos like people always comment on how like how I always I never choose I always do everything you just get both and so it's kind of wasteful in some way but that's more important for me to be like not that I'm going to throw the other taco away but there's definitely one that I'm going to prefer maybe I'll give the taco the other taco to someone else um and yeah it it takes money but um (laughs) I would rather have like if I really wanted I'd rather have both tacos I think you can then, apply that though to a lot of things because some people do get like this idea like you can only get one and especially maybe if they had, I mean, it's a taco, so it's not that big. You don't yeah. have to get the platter. You Plus have to the get the platter time, of three tacos. You could get yeah. one of each. And then the next time I'll just, I'll know that I only want the shrimp taco. I think I want tacos. <laughs> I keep We're going to totally get tacos after I'm this. Like, chill you know? out, chill. Cool. <laughs> well, the reason why we're talking about this taco, and why we're ta- we talk about it, talk about it. Today's life innovator is Mina McQueen, and uh, Mina McQueen uh, she runs a business called Kink and Consciousness. She also has a baller ass name. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And I, uh, one of the things I was talking to her about is. Uh, understanding what you want and then how to ask for or how to like communicate it. And so the topic we want to talk about today is becoming an expert in yourself. So that self-knowledge, how do you cultivate that? Because I think that's a big part of trying to understand what you want. You have to, you have to first prioritize like understanding yourself. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. So let's welcome her. (laughs) Uh, Hi, Mina. Hi, Mina. Hi. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Um, so you're we're we're here in the Bay, and uh, you've been tell us a little bit. I guess just about like what you what that means. What is kink and consciousness about? For me, kink is primarily about exploring different states of consciousness, mm-hmm. um, and some of those states are playful. Some of those are really fun. Some of those might be really serious. Um, when people ask me why I like BDSM and kink so much, the answer I keep coming back to is to feel a lot of different states of being mm. myself. Hmm. And how did you, was it something that you sought out or something that just kind of slowly crept into your life? Um, it's been a very slippery slope to becoming a pro-dom. <laughs> um, I've always been kinky since I was six years old. Um, I, I know that sounds crazy. <laughs> yeah, I specifically remember I saw something sexy on TV and I was a very good kid. So I thought, you know, I, this feels so good, but it's so bad. Um, I'm from a conservative part of the country. Uh-huh. Um, so I used narrative and stories to justify why I might be in a situation that would cause me to feel pleasure. Um, and so since then, I've always been curious to explore my kinks more. I've, you know, played around with partners with, oh my gosh, handcuffs or, oh my gosh, we're going to use lube today. Um, <laughs> and then all of a sudden I found myself working at a dom house. And then a month ago, starting my solo practice. It's something that I love. That's awesome. 
That's so funny. It's like, yeah, but so how does someone go from like the, the like good vibrations, <laughs> you know, like starter kit <laughs> to like finding yourself in a, in a, like, did, like how did, did you work with other people? Is there like a group that we, like, that you were like, okay, this feels, um, like, was there like a safe place where you're like, I'm going to try out this dominant, you know, being a dom or was um, it like through a relationship with someone? I originally thought I was submissive. I think like most women do, they are psych studies on this. Um, and then I had a partner who wanted me to top him. And I thought, well, like I thought people who are tops just naturally get really turned on from topping and being aggressive. And that's not me. Um, and then I took, I reflected on it and realized that I did want to try it and see if I would like it. And now I do get turned on doing it. So it's pretty <laughs> wild. Um, but why did I do it professionally? It's because I thought that investing in the art of topping um, would best happen by playing with a lot of different people, with a lot of different styles. I could try on different personalities um, to become an expert in myself by trying a lot of stuff out, <laughs> basically, just like you said. Well, could you go like, so say, I think a lot of our, some of our listeners may be familiar with BDSM and some of them may not be. Uh, well, how would you define someone when they're topping versus being a bottom, like what do you think makes someone actually submissive and which one's dominant? Sure. So I like to think of kink as entering a sandbox where all of a sudden there are different rules. It's not real life. It's specifically different. Mm -hmm. um, and I also want to push back against the fact that someone is a top or a bottom. That's a misconception that I have. Um, a lot of people have a lot of different appetites that can vary from day to day, from hour to hour. Um, but going back to your original question, which yeah. is what is a top and what is a bottom? Um, like in a, in a scene, for example. In a scene in the sandbox, there are specific rules. Um, and somebody is creating the rules and somebody is reacting to the rules. So the person who creates the rules is generally the top. The person who responds to the rules is generally the bottom. Right. So... As the person making the rules in some way, it seems to be like a lot of responsibility for the dom, like, because they're really leading the scene, would you say? Yeah. Well, in reality, it's totally negotiated right. for ethical kink, right. at least. Mm -hmm. um, and so the person who is leading often gets what's called a top high and that the bottom loves whatever is happening to them so much that it bleeds off that energy exchange comes on to the top. Mm-hmm. So like somebody who's not involved in it, it's like, what is the top? Is it the person? Does that mean that you are penetrating the other person? Does that mean that you're the like controlling the situation? Like as the dom, like what, what does the top exactly mean? Um, it's, it's a very good question. There's really not a straightforward answer in the gay community. Um, top means you are the penetrator mm -hmm. uh, most of the time. Um, in BDSM, nobody has a standard definition. It means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but generally, it means you are creating the rules or inflicting the pain. Um, there are exceptions, of course. Um, people often talk about bossy bottoms. Okay. If I were like, hit me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I want you to hit me now. Um, am I a top or am I a bottom? It's, it's a mix. Okay. But for me with strangers, like I need to know that they're liking it. Um, we talk a lot about being an ethical dominant. Mm -hmm. um, how, what, like, 
moral code should we have? Yeah. Um, and I only think that I do things that bottoms like. Well, then there are safe words and stuff like that, right? Right, exactly. Um, for experienced players, we use yellow and red. Yellow meaning slow down, red meaning stop the scene. Because um, oftentimes you need a middle safe word, like a hierarchy mm-hmm. of how you're, you're feeling. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like an arc. Yeah. <laughs> and we standardize because a lot of people who are super kinky play with a lot of people um, to learn, to see different mm-hmm. styles, etc. But you still, as the dom, still hold a responsibility to ch- like... If you can tell, like, the sub is maybe going into a danger zone in the sense that, like, I think sometimes when people are in a submissive, they, like, you know, you are kind of disoriented. You're kind of in the moment. And I think there's still a responsibility, like, just because someone didn't say the safe word, maybe they they do, they do mean to and they literally can't, like, express it or something like yeah. that. A lot of people go, I mean, I go nonverbal when I go deep in a scene. I'm not thinking about language that much. So it's really distracting and disruptive to have to say a safe word. I think new people often don't know when to say a safe word. Exactly. Um, They don't think like, oh, this is my boundary because they don't know what their boundaries are. I didn't. I still am learning them every day. Right. Which I guess relates back to our topic. Well, in terms of becoming an expert in yourself and knowing yourself. So like, I guess, would you say you've learned more about like what you want and that sort of thing just from different experiences? Yeah, good and bad. Um, For me, kink and learning my boundaries and it has been like tuning a guitar. Um, Sometimes when you tune it, it, you want to go above and below the note. Mm -hmm. So you can find where the sweet spot is. So I've definitely been scared to do something and then also crossed a boundary. So then I now know that I, I don't actually enjoy face slapping from strangers. <laughs> I do like face slapping from my partners. Gotcha. So how do you decide though? Like for you, is it just like, okay, I haven't done it, so I need to try it? Or do you have other indicators of like when you are tuning the guitar? Yeah, good question. Um, so when I started at the Dom House, it's a bunch of girls who are new and they say straightforwardly, you don't know what your boundaries are. Just, you know, I encourage you to be open minded. And I took that pretty seriously, even though I thought, oh, I do know what I want. Mm-hmm. No, I didn't. <laughs> and I, I still don't. We, we don't know even if we're experts in ourselves. Yeah. Um, but I, I took it so seriously that I thought, okay, like I'm going to. I'm going to poop on people. I'm going to have a human toilet. <laughs> yeah. You're going to um, try it out. And not to shame people. Like some people like that. And great. Uh, for me, I thought about it. I, I like, I pee on people. That's very common. Yeah. Um, but I had to <laughs> realize I didn't actually want to do that. Yeah. I wanted it an exercise in getting over fear. Mm. Um, and did I have to poop on someone who wanted me to? Um, I decided not. Yeah. Well, so you, you, were saying- you, you drew that boundary right there. Yeah. So most of the time I jumped in, like a lot of clients like race play, um, like calling them the n-word and I found that I found that kind of fun I it was unexpected to be talking about my big black dick (laughs) going into their ass you know take it take it take it (laughs) that's so crazy that's Um, so that was fun um but no pooping so yes offensive stuff is okay with me and then yeah you end up you found out you really liked it and then well you were saying about the fear so you're saying like 
you you were afraid of like pooping on someone, but you like evaluated that like just because you were afraid of it, that wasn't enough of a reason to go ahead with it. Is that yeah. what you're trying to say? And I really relish opportunities to be afraid and then do it anyway and then see if I die <laughs> or see if yeah. I like the experience. Hell yeah. <laughs> That's a, yeah, no, I think you have to have some element of that with the, with the kink, huh? Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you have in other aspects of your life? Um, yeah. I think that it's a little bit more easy. It's a little bit easier to find clear examples of getting over fear and kink Mm -hmm. because it's so different from everyday life. Um, In everyday life, um, like I might be scared of going for a promotion or potentially failing at leasing an apartment or like losing weight, whatever. Um, But those are everyday things that a lot of people do that it's not as different. Would would you say that like when were you scared often like as a child or like did you did you let like your fears hold you back a lot before you started doing before you started like exploring this? Um, yes and no. Since I grew up in a conservative part of the country and I was always different, like I was raised Jewish in a really Christian area, I felt different. I was also I liked girls. I had a girlfriend when I was fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always been different, but I also really wanted to do pretty traditional things. Like it was important for me to succeed. Um, so some yes, some no. Gotcha. Um, I like to think of like probably being your true self doesn't look like most of society. Yeah. Um, so I'm attracted to things that are different. Do you think like you were saying how since you were like six years old, you feel like you're a little bit kinky. Did you know it then? Or is this like a reflection where you're like, that was kind of kinky, six-year-old Nina? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't think I knew. I was just doing things that literally felt good. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, you know, I grew up when I had the internet, so I could download porn on like (laughs) the curiosity machine, you know, just at my fingertips. Curiosity is killing me. The curiosity is killing me. I wanna know if you can turn me out. Turn me over back and drink me Amazing. So then what kind of um sacrifices do you make though to like in your own life to do the BDSM? Like it do you you know, has it like cost what has it like what does it cost you to kind of do this? I mean, the Bay Area is so open. It's sometimes even seen as glamorous to be a, a dominatrix. Um, it's alluring. Um, I don't feel like I've had to make huge sacrifices. I do worry about my coworkers finding out because I do have a vanilla job and I love it. And I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want people to think about me differently. Mm-hmm. Um, but my partners are all very supportive. I think the costs have been that there are very hard moments as well. Um, when I first started, I had to submit as well as being done. So I would have to submit to strangers. I had no idea what that would be like. I thought maybe it could be fun, but the, I've often found some of the people who are paying to dominate women are not ethical mm-hmm. about it. They're not experienced. They're doing it to feel powerful. They're not doing it for... Yeah, from an ethical place. Yeah, what the, what I wanted. What I wanted was kind of irrelevant. 
or how much I was enjoying it. Yeah. That has been hard. So is that a really important part of, of the relationship? Like in, um, like when you're working with somebody that like you guys both are getting pleasure, is that important to you? Yeah, it is. Um, well, again, since I have a regular job, I have the privilege of being really, really choosy about my clients. And when Dom's around for a while, they can be super choosy. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the beginning, it's it's really freaking hard work to find a clientele base that matches your interests. Yeah. Um, I have a bunch of things that I like. I have a bunch of things that I can do. Um, and then they have, it's a Venn diagram. You have to find the overlap. And finding the overlap in negotiation is, is challenging. It takes practice. Can One you- thing I learned is, do you want an example? Yeah, I want an example. Like you like walk us through like I don't know, like when you're looking for new clients and how you how you negotiate that and when you decide to go forward with it and et cetera. Yeah. Um on my website I list my interests. Mm-hmm. Um for example, one of the, I, I love rope. I love rope bondage. People who like the process of being tied up, you know, it can take like thirty minutes. Would you be into that? Great. I love that too. It's a match. I love latex. Um I love Slut training. I don't like slave training, I've learned, but I like slut training a lot. What's um, the difference? What's slut? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, good, yeah, good question. A slave is, I might put a collar on the slave and tell him to clean my floor and then, you know, worship my feet, um, walk around exactly three feet behind me for an hour. Um, they're my slave. They're my slave. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah I don't really like that yeah versus the slut training is you're a fucking slut let's see how long you can spread <laughs> those cheeks um, so can you really take between this between the yeah. two yeah I think I'm on your boat too I don't like the slave training's all right but I like the slut training a lot more yeah you know some doms really leverage the slave training to their <laughs> advantage like I'll have them driving around to appointments well, or cleaning their house. That makes sense. If you're going to take one on, might as well. I Maybe, maybe, maybe I should get smarter about this. <laughs> right. Actually, that's what I was thinking. I was like, this seems very practical, but from like a sexual perspective, not as much of a turn on. I was but like, that, <laughs> yeah. But then ethically, you were talking about, you know, for you, it's really important because like I would imagine that that's that power play is also what you were uncomfortable. Like, it sounds like to me, that's what you were, would, were uncomfortable with, with strangers who maybe wanted to control, you know, control strange, strange women. Like that, that's an uncomfortable, you know, that maybe it would be coming from the same place. Yeah. I mean, the power dynamic is, I think what makes it so interesting. Um, not all scenes are sexual, but they all have a power dynamic that is sometimes intense. Um, and that's really hot for someone. I think maybe being upfront with it, you know, like, so if you have someone who's like, gets off on like washing your dishes and doing everything for you. Mm-hmm. And if you're like, Hey, you know, actually like this isn't completely do it for me like that. Some slaves actually might prefer that. They kind of even may like, like the fact that, that they're like, so like not worthy yeah. of like your, your uh, affection. Yeah, like I'm going to ignore you. Yeah, they actually would like get off on that. So yeah. like if they get off on that, then it might be an okay match for you to just completely be like, whatever. Like, totally. You do that. <laughs> Have you yeah. seen the Netflix, you know the Netflix docuseries with Chelsea Handler, Chelsea does? 
It's called Chelsea Does. Uh-huh. She does, she, like, they're actually, it's a wonderful series. But there's one episode that's on, um, like, relationships and whatever. And she goes to this house. It's like, I think it's a dom house. And it's a man, it's a black man. And he has two, subs- I think, slaves or his wife, one, like, his wives. I think they're, like, in a relationship or whatever. But slaves and he's like yeah these are my slaves and they were saying like oh yes we have to ask him if we leave the house we have to ask him if we do anything or whatever and she goes she's like slaves she's like don't you have a problem with that and he's like no she's like well you're black like and, she, like, <laughs> and he just kind of because you know she's like so matter of fact like don't you have a problem with that but um she like totally was like i don't get this this isn't for me like this is not this is not it but um well that's, that's the big <laughs> barrier because like i think for me, actually, I, I'm less comfortable exploring the submissive side than the dominant side because I feel like it conflicts with my identity that I do show the world because of, of a political reasons, you know, like women mm-hmm. are always submissive. So like, yeah. I kind of have this point to like, a like, point in, to prove. yeah, in real life, like I, <laughs> I've done the well stories, like I don't do okay with like, I'm generally pretty chill, but if someone's like trying to overlook me in an area that I think like I shouldn't be overlooked, I will let people know. That no, that's yeah, how no. It is. Actually, like I, I really admire that about you. <laughs> <I'm> like, yeah. <laughs> so it actually, and I actually think I find the submissive part even more erotic in that way because it's a side I don't always show, and to find a partner that I know respects me and still like lets me go there is like really exciting. It actually finds like being submissive like a turn on so it's even like celebrated mm-hmm. in that way it's seen as powerful in this like scene that like i don't really uh feel like necessarily in the in the real world yeah 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 but i think that respect is the number one thing there like i think you can be comfortable trying anything with anyone if you like if you have that respect there and like you're, you kind of like know your boundaries. Like sometimes you'll think you like never want to do something and then you feel comfortable enough with somebody you'll do it. Right. And I think it's because I have that outside the bedroom. Well, I think some people who are submissives want that to carry on a little bit more outside of it. Mm-hmm. And it only, I can only be comfortable with it being in this certain scene. If like once the scene's over, <laughs> yeah. I know like, the scene is the, the actual interaction. Yeah, like, yeah. Every time that you guys are in this situation, I yeah. gotcha. Um, yeah. Not the scene is in the BDSM scene. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah, more yeah, macro. yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, cool. But people, people like power dynamics to spill out into their lives for all different types of reasons and all different types of ways. Um, I read about a woman who, gets a lot of anxiety while packing. And so before she's packing for a trip, um, her partner doms her and tells her what to wear and what to pack. And then it kind of relieves her of that anxiety. <laughs> but what if you're going to like Florida and he's like, pack a winter coat, like <laughs> snow boots and like fur. Like, yeah, I guess know? that's a risky take. It makes me think of this time when I was like four years old and my uncle apparently tricked me into like wearing all these like winter clothes in the middle of summer. He was like, it's so cold, Olivia. It's so cold. Put on another jacket. And like, he told me, was like, shuffled me over to my mom and like, look what I made her wear. And and your mom was like, take it out. Yeah. Unethical dominance. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. But you know what though? If we want to talk about unethical dominance like that basically just happens in culture all the time. Exactly. Yeah. Like that's yeah. growing up as a as a woman. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. It, it's just not called out. Yeah. 
and it's often subtle. And yeah, I, it's yeah, so many small instances that add up. Well, that's what I like about BDSM so much. I don't know if you found this, Nina, um, is because it it does make the power dynamic very. Uh, you talk about it, right? So like, it's very clear. Whereas, like you said, in normal life, they're happening all the time. But like, people like to act like, oh, we don't have that power dynamic and right. manipulate it and act like, oh yeah, that's not what's going on. Like, you, why do you feel like a submissive? Oh no, that's not what's going on. You know? And <laughs> yeah, like, it, I can't say for it at work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this meeting is yellow. <laughs> <laughs> I need out of here. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. it's made me more like aware of them in regular life. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. Have you had any moments like that? I mean, I guess maybe you were saying at work. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. I've I've had so many moments of seeing power dynamics at work and then playing with them in ways that worked out for me after a particularly empowering weekend. I had like really good sessions. Yeah. Um, I had an intense meeting Monday morning with my boss's boss and my boss's boss's boss and a VP. And at the meeting, I all of a sudden disagreed with the VP like kind of aggressively, which is not something I would have done because who does that? Mm -hmm. Um, And then I was rewarded for it. And I think I wouldn't have had that power had I not had a great weekend of dominance. (laughs) (laughs) Well, do you feel like there was a way though that like that it helped you? Because you said you did it kind of intensely, but um, was there a way though that like those things kind of helped you word it in a way that's like you showed your dominance but like wasn't threatening because like I think that that's always the concern is like oh you don't want to like you don't want to go too far yeah so like has has being a dom like helped you to kind of like learn the balance like how to deliver that you know what I mean like like so like be assertive but also like bring some flowers yeah (laughs) Um, it's gentle and demanding yeah um for sure, there's an element of asserting your power. I think that we are not taught how to wield our power, um, and a lot of people aren't ready for it. Yeah. Um, and do I learn that in doming? Definitely more. Sometimes it's not applicable at all. <laughs> it's like, like the harder. Yeah. You it's go. like I'm an interrogator, and I can't be that person outside of uh, a dom scene. But for sure, soft power. Soft power. Soft power gets into our brain. Well, it seems like you kind of had maybe slightly an opposite experience where like you weren't so comfortable with being like dominant and like you're in a situation, you have a great weekend of like people encouraging and celebrating when you're like being this aggressive person. And so like maybe outside of that, all of a sudden there's like a moment of like, oh, everyone's not going to hate me necessarily if I assert myself. Yeah. Um, in terms of like what Noah's asking about in terms of like being able to assert it soft or soft, soft power. power. Yeah. I like that. But even like within your scenes though, I think we talked a little bit earlier about this. You've as more experience you've gotten with kink, you've learned how to better um control the scenes more or like read read your submissive, but also like know how to turn the scene around. Mm-hmm. Uh do you have any like examples of that? Um, yeah, I, I was once the second interrogator for a man who had a fantasy where he was operating a strip club that was 
secretly recording videos of the women. And then we are FBI agents and we figured it out. And so we were going to punish him by um, fucking him in the ass and the mouth <laughs> at the same time. So that was the situation. And um, he just, and most of the time they're getting punished, but it's actually, it's punishment in air quotes because it's a reward. Right. <laughs> and so when you're punishing someone, you can tell that they like it, that they enjoy it. Um, and he didn't have a twinkle in his eye. And so I thought I can keep punishing him or I can stop. Um, a lot of people don't like stopping scenes. Sometimes you have to, but it yeah. kills the vibe. It kills the mood. Um, so I, I backed down to see if he got like maybe even less of a twinkle. Like maybe his twinkle is just hard to read. Um, and I realized that I had to like hurt him a little. He wanted to be hurt in his mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I backed down and that was bad. I saw a change. Um, oh, so like your instinct at that time was to, to slow it down. But then you, you realized in this case, he actually was, it was cause it wasn't hard enough. Yeah. Thanks for putting those words into my <laughs> Um, I needed to slow down to learn that the correct thing was actually to speed it up. Oh, okay. Oh. And then it was fine, but you didn't, you didn't stop the scene. It didn't kill the vibe entirely. No, All he right. was about to come. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they come, we get paid. Yeah. <laughs> we were talking about that, like how it can be hard to read uh, the sub sometimes. Like some people, the twinkle in their eye or like their, their pleasure in it is harder to, to tell. Um, but is, I guess it's just something that you're learning with time by like honing your instinct or like yeah. certain tells. It's, it's easiest to play with regulars and partners because you guys know each other. You can explore together. Um, for new clients, it's always really hard to know what would tip them over the edge. So sometimes we take risks. Like the other day I was approaching a client and I decided to choke him immediately, like turn him around and choke him because <laughs> it would be exciting. Yeah. It's uh-huh. unexpected. It's something that I knew he liked. Um, and then he fainted. <laughs> <laughs> You're um, uh, ooh. <laughs> yeah, risk, risk taken. I think I'd do it again, <laughs> um, but not that hard. We still came back for more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> true. He probably was like, "That was so amazing, I passed out." Yeah. <laughs> like, he probably tells a story like, "Oh, I, you know, like if they were to retell the story that like it was so good, I passed out." Yeah. <laughs> she says, "Hey, babe, take a walk on the wild side." Said, hey, babe, take a walk on the well, I kind of, I think I interrupted you earlier when I asked you like your whole process. So I guess with with picking up a client, so like you get to the part where you're you're like, this is what I like, and if they match up, like at least on this, you know, you get a few alignments on things that you're into, things that they're into. Right, right. The next thing you need to do is match energetic tone. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you can agree on activities for experienced people. Noobs don't know what they like. Um, do you deal with noobs? Do you help them? Yeah, I love actually chartering people into the world. Um, uh-huh. It's just much more difficult in negotiation and it's mostly reading their energy um, when they're nervous. So that blocks normal signals. Yeah. Um, but for, so for experienced people and for new people, it's completely different. Uh-huh. Um, but for experienced people, I like to ask, and I learned this from Midori, who's one of like the doms and known artists yeah. who I learned from. She asks, 
How does that make you feel? Like, what do you want to feel? Bless you. Thank you. What do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? What do you want to feel? Why do you want to feel that way? And from that, you can start to match. So like someone likes bondage. Okay, cool. Great. That's a start. Do you like sensual bondage? Are you an escape artist who wants to get out? If you can wiggle your toes at all, are you going to be really disappointed? Um, If you start to lose circulation, are you going to know that you need to tell me um, that kind of thing? Because there are a lot of different ways to tie people up. I can be an evil, you know, evil queen keeping you in a tower, like then ignoring you. Or I could be like a nice mother who just has to tie you up. Um, yeah. <laughs> so to be a good boy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's what you need to find out. Like activity is not enough at all. How do you deal with with the noobs? Because I think that's what's interesting for people when they're like kind of the parallel of like trying to figure out what you want out of life in general. So like say you're being introduced to kink and like it's like kind of like there's so many different things and you've just completely have had vanilla sex your whole life. But yeah. you're like, maybe I want to do something else. I think you have to ask yourself, well, what excites you? Um, a question I ask is, like, what do you fantasize about? Or what were you thinking about when you last whacked off? Yeah. Um, and that's a start. That's what you think is exciting. Maybe you don't want to actually play that out, but I think most people do. Um, a lot of people are afraid of their fantasies and, mm-hmm. you know, we can't realize all of them. Like, I think aliens will never come down and then rape me. <laughs> um, <laughs> Unfortunately, but <laughs> pretend, you know, we can do pretend aliens. Okay, cool. <laughs> that works. Um, and then, yeah, seeing where they respond from there. Yeah, and I then, think like it doesn't have to be a passion. That's a really high bar. Um, all you need is an interest or like a curiosity. I am curious about blank. Great. You're curious about it. We can try it and then change it if it's not working. I like that. I, lo- I like that a lot. You, it has to be a curiosity. It doesn't have to be a passion. Well, look, that's how you figure out what your passion is. Yeah. Right? Well, you said <laughs> through that tune, you might make mistakes, right? You know, you might find out you're not into something um, or you're more into something than you realize. And something we talked about earlier is about how kink has helped you really like face your fears. And um, one of the things that uh, Scott Dismore talks about, he's... Uh, a guy who has dedicated his life to pretty much figuring out how how to find the work you love. And uh, it's funny because one of the things he talks about is, yeah, to become an expert in yourself and to, one, realize your unique strengths. So I guess that's something you've been learning as a dom of like what kind of dom you are, right? Yeah. Like I am not a disciplinarian. Yeah. <laughs> I let people get away with stuff way too much. Yeah. Like, like I can't keep track of all the rules. It's very thinky for me. Mm. Um, and then you get not so much in the moment. Yeah, but I am a good, I am a sensual dom. Um, I like connection with my partner um, and touch. That bond for me is really exciting. And I, I'm playful. So that's so fascinating. I think I think I relate to that because the, the discipline one gets too much in my head and like it's funny what you're saying like when you were younger like you feel like this is something that like, kinks been in your life forever. I feel like before even understanding BDSM in some ways, just like the way I engage with sex was I realized like I actually am a bit more dominant depending on the person. But even when I'm like more on the bottom, it's more like demanding people to, <laughs> to do things that typically bottoms would would want. Yeah, <laughs> but the part that didn't, I never I never played with like the discipline part. 
really. And that was a part that I had assumed was like part of being a good dom. But I guess there's like different kinds of, yeah. different kinds of dom. When I learned that I had let a dom pass my boundaries, um, I, I realized that I couldn't try to please everyone. I could only be myself. Um, and that's why I think the work is so interesting. Yeah. It's because you have to ask yourself constantly, like, does this bring me pleasure? Does this good for me? Does this help me thrive? And it's something you just feel. Yeah. Uh, you said you went on a few workshops too that like helped hone that. Yeah. I went on, I went to Cleo Dubois Academy of SM Arts, um, which is about spirituality, ritual and ethical dominance. I learned that there are a lot of different types of domina archetypes. Um, you could be a mistress, you could be a mommy, you can be a disciplinarian. This, the list is huge. Um, and you have to pick which themes resonate with you. Um, and that helped me learn that, oh, I'm, I'm playful. I'm very silly. I like alien role play. <laughs> um, I, I will not be a slave trainer. Yeah. Um, that doesn't work for me. And like, so how, what was the, was it just learning about the different archetypes or did they also have like, I guess, exercises that you guys would do to, to figure that out? It was three days of practicing, putting on different personas and having different energy exchange with volunteer bottoms mm. um, to see like, does that energy work with this person? Um, who might I want to work with if this were a real session? Um, and then also practical tips like how do you pierce someone without hurting them? Or like oh my God. what gauge needle should you use with new piercing people? Answer is like 25 or 22. What's it? Okay. Piercing like how you, you're just like through one, through one end of the skin and out the other or like. Oh yeah. I, so piercing sounded crazy to me when I first got into the world of kink and now I love it. Um, (laughs) it's a different type of adrenaline wave that you ride. It's an energy exchange that follows the breath. So it feels very ritualistic and spiritual. Um, you are constantly going up and down because it goes in and then out. And I think it looks pretty too. Um, it, yeah. What do you pierce? What are you piercing? Yeah. Oh, the, you can pierce most places on the skin. Um, you can some people like nipples to be pierced or like I know how to put a needle through a dick now. And then you take it out. Yeah. And then you take it out. Wow. And they have to sink the breathing in. Yeah. You pierce on the out breath and then there's kind of a rhythm to it, much like flogging. Mm-hmm. When people get flogged, which is hit by a flogger, they have a certain beat to it. Well, Same thing with piercing. Yeah. That must require so much trust. <laughs> and the person piercing you you want to yeah. put that where <laughs> yeah um so yeah so that, okay. it, that makes sense that, like that workshop though like so you got like an intensive of like literally just trying everything like we were talking about like to find to find your strengths and fi- understand yourself it's all about like trying different things but you had like a safe place where you could try on these different like mats per se to like and see if you liked it and even probably got some feedback too of like people who've done it before to be like this you know yeah of when you fail and you had permission to fail um it's super awkward when a scene doesn't work out 
Yeah. Because you're there and you're trying stuff and like the person's paid you and they're annoyed and you're annoyed. And all of a sudden you have to make it work. But in the workshop, um, I tried on a bunch of different personas and it was uncomfortable. And I was awkward. The steps to finding the work you love or to becoming an expert in yourself require that you push your limits, but that you also surround yourself with inspiring people. And it sounds like you kind of got to do that too. It's like, you got to try on all these different masks, but then you were around people who were like supportive and that you could learn from. So, yeah. Yeah. So, <laughs> or do you feel like, do you learn from people like still, I know you have your own practice, but do you still meet with other um, doms and kind of like exchange stories or like ask for advice or. Yeah. I, it's amazing to learn from other doms. It's a practice and an art. I would call it an art that is largely passed down and learned through apprenticeship. Um, I learned, you know, that rapid mummification is much easier if you use a small one and a big one. Um, Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Oh man, if we had more time. (laughs) What are you doing later? (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I learned that saran wrap is one of the most fun things to play with for bondage. Okay, Um, it's completely immobilizing if you do it correctly, which is to individually wrap things and then wrap things in larger types of wrap for packaging. Ah. Um, things like that. So yeah. yes, I love that I'm surrounded by a community of people who knows what they're doing and has so much to teach. Well, so many more ideas too. I mean, like you're right now just telling me things like, I haven't thought about that, thought of that. And I'm sure that happens all the time with more experienced doms. So yeah. They're like, have you tried this? Yeah. Um, um, and when I first heard about piercing, I was like, yeah, I mean, I kind of squicked. I made my squick face, which is, ew, yeah. squick. <laughs> um, and now I'm one of those weirdos. Well, like into it. well, I guess it makes sense. It's like a natural, pro- it was like a progression. Yeah. <laughs> well, we were talking about, so being an ethical dom, um, another part of becoming an expert in yourself is understanding your values. And so like, we're thinking of values as like a hierarchy of what you care about. You know, like values really are, start, you know, you could say like, I, I want all these things, but like when push comes to shove, like which one's going to be more important or even with preferences? Um, do you feel like constantly getting to be in these, um, in these scenes that you're confronted a lot with, with things that you didn't know you cared about so much and then you find out you care a lot about whatever? Yeah. Um, one thing I learned is that I value learning over fun. Mm. Um, but not to the extent of experiencing trauma. <laughs> uh, that's been my major learning. Is that yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm in it for the learning about myself, for about women. I learn a lot about women. Um, what, so, though I also value fun right up there. <laughs> fun is important. So this is why you like the different stuff, like trying new things, because that's like an opportunity to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Though not always. Yeah. <laughs> not, I think like I've learned that extreme versions of anything that I think never work out. Um, so what do you, do you picture like you'll be working, like what's your dream life? Are you going to work as a dom 
forever and ever, you know, for right now uh, from what you see or I might, I'm pretty inspired by this one Dom who, um, lives somewhere else and then goes on domcation in other cities, kind of gets away from the family. People around her don't know what she's doing. And then she has these getaways of experiencing a different life. Um, I don't know if I'll keep doing that, but for now I'm continuing to find it interesting. I'm learning rope suspension and I love the learning aspect of it. Yeah. And I love how much people love it. Um, so, so far so good. I could see a world where my vanilla job becomes more demanding. And then you'd have to balance. Yeah. Um, I did too much recently. I was working six or seven days a week for six months. That was not sustainable. And then I <laughs> was a bad person and a partner called me out on it. Thank goodness. So I realized that I need to, needed to stop working as hard. Oh, you're, how much you were doing your regular. Yeah. Cause I have one and a half jobs. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. It would be easier if I could check out of my vanilla job a little bit more. Um, if I didn't like it as much then I would get to, but it's not really, unfortunately that's where I am right now. Have you found a sweet spot of like how much of each sometimes that may actually help the other one? Uh, no, but I'm always looking for it. <laughs> but you, I'm sure, so I guess, but you find there probably is one, like if you decide to like drop the kink stuff, do you feel like you probably maybe some of how you operate at work in your real life may may suffer from that? Yeah, I don't know. I I think I'm a better person overall. And when I'm a better person overall, I'm a better person at my regular job too. Yeah. Um, I feel creatively balanced. Well, it's just funny because uh, one of the the doms that like convinced or like we were exploring because I was like I don't know if I'm a dom or a sub or whatever, <laughs> and I I I can have a problem with aggression sometimes, mm-hmm. or like not that I I don't, but I I kind of do. I've noticed this about myself. I do relish certain scenarios where I'm allowed to like assert my power in a way that I think in everyday life you're not really supposed to and I know it's harmful like I don't want to have all my relationships be combative but like there are scenarios that I like I'm like ooh, I I get to like just completely like like take every move I can to like get what I want and there's like this high of it and there's always been like a part of me that's always just like trying to like suppress that and the dom was like you're going to like this because this is creating a scenario where you can <laughs> let that go and it's totally about it and it'll make your other relationships better because like you get that out of your system and you have like you can have more like leveled relationships and I was like that's an interesting argument and like he's obviously trying to like get me to sleep with him but I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, like that's a self-serving argument right right but I was like but it's like it's persuasive because you Did know you it's right it true did you find it to be true I, I think it is like, um, cause yeah, there's, there's a release in that. I do think there's something about, uh, like some people really like martial arts or something like that, where like they can get that, like, I guess kind of primitive, like fightingness. Primal urges. Yeah, yeah. 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 Released. Yeah. But I feel like martial arts are usually like, Kind of zend out a little bit too. Well, it depends on what kind. Depends, yeah, yeah. MMA Mixed is martial arts is not. Like, 
it's just pure aggression and like yeah 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 it's just it's just sex with like shorts on yeah it's, it really male, it's like man on man with shorts on um <laughs> I, I found that true <laughs> the that i needed a release for the monster in me yeah because we're humans pretending to wear clothes and be in society but we're a bunch of animals right with urges. Um, and I think I was afraid of my animal urges. Like how dark are they really? How twisted could they get? Yeah. Um, how can I find a safe outlet for expressing that side of myself? Fuck you like Your daily desires. Like what else is important to like balance it? Like, is there like, you know, do you like do yoga? Do you like have to like, you know, talk to a certain person every day or like, what, what's like, what's your, yeah, what's your, um, yeah, well, how do you chill? Like what's, what's the balance there? You know, I found that a lot of doms do a ton of yoga. There's a huge overlap in the yoginis and the doms. Um, I think cause in a lot of ways we're all seeking the same thing, which is bliss or stillness or death or whatever you want to call it. Um, I do a ton of yoga. I used to have an amazing therapist. I don't see her anymore. Um, I have a really special relationship with my acupuncturist. <laughs> I love reading books. You know, I think that I was attracted to Dom in part because it is so different. Um, and going back to the tuning, the guitar analogy, I went to one extreme and now I realize what do I actually want with the rest of my time? How do I want to be spending my time and it's pretty normal. <laughs> <laughs> kind of bummer for younger me. Yeah. I also did, I used to do contortion. And now that, that's mostly about redefining your relationship with pain. Contorting uh, yourself or contorting others? Uh, myself. Yeah. Um. I tend to go to extremes sometimes. <laughs> I'm aware of this. Um, but I think there's a huge like, contort. Circus people are super kinky because their relationships with their bodies are so complicated. Right. Yeah, because yeah, there's probably, I'm sure, a certain amount of discomfort that you get comfortable with to, to get your body to do all those crazy things. Yeah, you're comfortable with going to all these like extremes. But like, are there any like things that are seemingly innocuous that you are make you really uncomfortable like I like I don't know I just imagine that like maybe it's like if somebody like gets too close like somebody like gets too close when they're talking to you or something like that is there like are there things like that that make you uncomfortable uh spiders spiders I still don't like spiders um but things one thing I've noticed, and this is the opposite of your question, but yeah. like I used to be grossed out by smelly things, and now like I play with people's butts. Really <laughs> so, I'm over that. Yeah, I'm gross. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm just wondering if it's like if it kind of like if it's if exploring like the the all the ends means that like you're you're more comfortable with everything or do you find that you're more comfortable with some things that you thought you never would be and then find that other things make you uncomfortable or just open the door you know <laughs> yeah, like, I'm like oh. well my safe word for when I'm out somewhere with a friend is I'm bored yeah. <laughs> I'm, I am allergic to boring things okay <laughs> fair enough 
<laughs> That's your safe word. We got to get out of oh, here. <laughs> yeah. She told me that you actually just, um, you just read uh, Big Magic. Yes. I'm reading it too now, but I love how she says like fear is boring. And it sounds like <laughs> yeah. that's kind of like your thing. It's just, like fear is boring. Yeah, I guess fear is anxiety, right? It's, yeah. Why are you afraid of that? I mean, sometimes it's legitimate. I'm afraid of mosquitoes because <laughs> they can carry diseases. Well, uh, but sometimes so, not. Well, just that like fear is boring because to overcome it. Well, just like, like after, like because we fear is like in, inherent in everything, right? right. Inher- fear is inherent in any, um, like journey for anything. Yeah. And so after a while, though, like, so you can, you know, you can avoid things and be fearful, but after a while, it just gets boring. Right. Like, because mm-hmm. you're just avoiding. Yeah. So now you've been avoiding for so long, it just gets boring. Like, that's a funny way of putting it. Cause for me, like, when I notice I have a fear, I guess I do have this like compulsion to confront it because I don't want to be in those cycles. Like I get really, what I'm afraid of is being in those cycles and being like controlled by fears, like things that like, and obviously there's something that you should legitimately be fear afraid of, but things that I guess that's probably like why I started exploring the kink more. Cause I realized there's like this whole world that I haven't really been exploring and I was just like compelled to be like, I don't want that to be something intimidating. Yeah. And I want to be comfortable with it. Yeah. Yeah. But I think sometimes people aren't aware like of, of what their fears are. You know, like, oh, I'm just fine. I'm like living, whatever. It's not like this. It's not like a threatening thing, like a, a lion's coming out to eat you. Sometimes <laughs> it's just like, you know, it's the it's the anxiety of what next, you know? Like oh. or like a, a very quiet anxiety about like what happens after you do that thing. Then what? Then you have to follow through with everything, or you're gonna have to abandon. You know? Yeah. One of a friend once told me that he was afraid of puppy play, acting like a puppy, um, and like playing fetch as a human. Yeah. And I said, "Why? Why are you afraid of that? It's kind of a weird thing to be afraid of." And he said, "Because I'll like it too much." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, well, let's dissect that. Is that a good reason to be afraid of something? No. No, the VDSM stuff, like, I've realized that I have definitely a lot more shame than I realized about stuff like that. Because I think that is shame that, like, maybe you'll like something more than you think that you will. And then that's like, oh my God, I'm like one of those people now. Yeah, <laughs> I, can't I believe- mean. I like that. <laughs> I think that those people are good examples. Well, I like to think that by coming out as someone who's into alien play. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> that's my life now. Yeah. I'm into that. <laughs> that girl. You are you are the alien. Well, it's funny what you were saying though about like we don't always realize it. That's actually one thing um that Mr. Dismore also um promotes in terms of becoming an expert in yourself. There I like the phrasing of that because when you become an expert, you're literally like studying in it. And he makes this argument like, you know, colleges, he's like, I think that should be your double major is like self-reflection. Yeah. Being a, <laughs> becoming an expert in yourself. And that's not nearly as prioritized. And yeah, it requires that self-reflection. So like, um, yeah, asking, you know, why you're doing something or not doing something or asking even when you have that reaction, you know, like, um, positive or negative so like you know we sometimes we see people that were like oh they're so cool i would love to be like them um start asking yourself what is it about them that you admire and that you're attracted to because the chances are it's not actually everything about them no there's something some quality about them something they're doing um i think that's a big part of our show actually it's not that 
uh, I mean, I think we it's have great people. Out, yeah. We pull out the strength. We're like, this is the part that's like really interesting about them. Not that the other stuff isn't, but it's what we're going to focus on. And, and realizing that's what's inspiring about them. And then realizing that's something you value, you know, cause. Yeah. Cause sometimes you don't think that, that it is something you value either. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, I really like that. Like my friend who helps us, um, with our social media, sometimes her name's Natalie. She's like the nicest person in the whole world. And everyone who meets her is like, like obsessed with her. She's also insanely gorgeous, but she's one of those people. And I never thought that, like, I know that I, it matters to me that people are kind, Mm -hmm. but my, I remember my little brother being like, she's like one of the nicest people I've ever met. And then my mom meeting her and be like, she's one of the nicest people I've ever met. And then I'm just like, is that really important to me for someone to be so nice? And I didn't realize that is what I admire so much about her. Yeah. It's like, I just like her. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. um, but then like when everyone in your family says the exact same thing about this person, you're like, oh, I guess this is like a core value that I didn't even realize. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And I love that that's something we don't always notice in a positive way versus when it's negative, it's more striking. Like I remember, you know, I've, I've always been like, yeah, gay people should be able to do anything straight people should do. Uh, but it wasn't until I actually came to New York and started meeting people who are like actually really like very homophobic. Like I guess I was kind of sheltered from people who actually had that hatred. And then talking to somebody like that, I got so emotional <laughs> when they were just so blase about like, cause they were very religious. So they uh-huh. were just like, Oh, you know, that's just like, it's just not how things are, you know, and it's not normal. And I actually, I love my gay brothers, but they're sinners and it's something to be fixed, you know, and saying these sort of things. And I got so, so upset. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't know I cared about it that much till like being confronted uh-huh. with that. And I guess I had that privilege not to, but it's not till you like are faced with it sometimes that you realize how much you care. These days I find myself now that the tides are turning the other way. Yeah. um, I feel bad for those people because they were raised in a way where they couldn't be open to that kind of thing. Yeah. 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 I, and there's a lot of self-hatred there too. Like, I I don't think you can hate someone else without really like hating something about yourself deeply, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, one thing that clients sometimes ask for is forced by, um, we force them to be gay with another man. Um, oh. <laughs> there's a lot going on there. I happen to also know that of the clients who flake the most at the last minute, clients uh-huh. are sometimes really flaky. Um, forced by people flake all the time. Interesting. So I think you told me actually a little bit earlier about like a client that it was a successful forced by. Like you're saying that he... or he didn't know it was coming. Like you, you led him into a situation that he wouldn't have been necessarily asked for. You're saying like publicly he had been like, Oh, Oh, Oh yeah. He, this was all talk. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was all talk. Okay. Um, yeah. He wanted me to bring him out to the Castro and like hot pants and have other men hit on him. Cause yeah. I made him. Yeah. Then he's not gay. He's like being made to be gay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's interesting as like um, a way of going outside your comfort zone to like give someone permission to to force you to do something. Yeah. Permission is really liberating and some people need it from 
you know, beautiful woman. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. To go Mina's forward really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, guys. But we can't put any pictures of her face up. <laughs> <laughs> so you'll have to imagine. So we'll just, just imagine a unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> or your social media girl. Because, <laughs> we'll um, yeah. And I think what, even, even as someone who, I guess, like I was saying, I feel like I have to kind of like put in a, in a suitcase, some of like my desires to be a bit more like overbearing and assertive. Yeah. Like to the point that I sometimes like, I feel like I'm always like trying to find that balance where I'm like, oh, am I like giving too much to people now? Cause like <laughs> I'm like so conscious about it. Um, I feel like what's been liberating is to find the scenarios where people like really in- appreciate that I'm doing that, you know, and that there are scenarios where like people want you to be like, pretty much forcing them to do something that yeah. they don't seem like they want to do and um seeing that as okay too and not as that, like a weakness of that other person you're talking about like in a in a sexual way specifically like in a safe place in a safe place because but ju- even, people should not go around doing that if it's not like like i guess i'm just like in a safe place sexually but even in a non-sexual way but still with the permission like so like Having really like my mom, for example, like hates going out of her comfort zone. And I'm not, this is not a sexual thing, but like I've noticed that when you give her enough encouragement and when she's like put in there, then she ends up loving it. And like, I think we have an agreement though. Like, and we've even told her, I'm like, you like being like, she's like, something I just need to be forced to do, you know? And like, it's part of an agreement of our relationship that she's going to be like, no, I don't want to. No. Like, stop yeah. it, you know? like, like I don't know. And then she's there. She's like, oh, this is great. Oh, like glass of wine. Like, I love this, you know, <laughs> in terms of like getting her out of her comfort zone. And I think we all have that. Like my mom, she has a story of me when I was um, first learning to swim and I make so much noise, apparently. Like the one task was to like, I think the test was like to do one length of the pool and the whole time, I'm like, eh, uh, help, help. <laughs> and like, I'm doing fine. And apparently my teacher's like a foot away from me, but he's like, I'm not going to help you. Cause then like, you're not going to pass and you're doing just fine. You're just making it much harder for yourself by like screaming and yelling and just being like, I can't do this. Yeah. And I remember, I Don't think fight back. Yeah, <laughs> in my mind, I really thought I was like dying. And I was like, why isn't he helping me? <laughs> but he was like, I'm right here. Like I will catch you if I really think you need to but he wasn't gonna help me and, and then I could swim yeah and, exactly and then apparently I did it and um and my mom always makes fun of me about it because she's like yeah uh she's doing great she just complains and makes a lot of noise the entire time <laughs> so like <laughs> um I guess that's an instinctual thing too and like obviously doing it with someone you know and getting to know where their boundaries are and reading them because sometimes like I don't know. We don't always articulate it yeah. in a certain way. <laughs> I love that we're talking about your family. I know. Oh, we yeah. talked about your, your uncle forcing you to, to I know. wear all the, all the clothes. <laughs> your mom being forced. To, you're just. There's some know, interesting there's power some, dynamics yeah. in your yeah. family. Apparently. Maybe that's why I'm so drawn to this. I know. <laughs> you were like, she was so excited about this. She called me the other day. She goes, Noel, I think you're a dom. <laughs> and I was just like, I thought we were going to talk about like, I thought we were going to talk about like social media, social media and, <laughs> and then I'm just like, okay, like I'm ready to have this, like talk about this Excel document. And she's like, well, I think you're a doll. And I was just like, Excel top. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> All right. Uh, let's not. <laughs> let's talk about that later. Um, <laughs> but she's very obsessed with it. I just, yeah, I just, I definitely, for me, it was like more the reflection in terms of like, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, that was one of the stuff where I was like, oh, I don't want to do that anymore because society doesn't let you. But apparently there's a world where you're, it's okay to do some of these things. Where you can yeah. let your, let your uh, whip fly. Yeah. I think you're right about her. Yeah. About Noelle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She hasn't even heard the story. <laughs> she doesn't even know the story. Um, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> so thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks so much, Mina, for being with us. Um, where can people find you? Serious customers only. Yeah, <laughs> no wankers. No, yeah. yeah, no, no, yeah, no flakers. This is a magical unicorn. <laughs> How does the one contact the unicorn? Kinkinconsciousness.com. Yep. Or minamcqueen.com. Yeah, and one. then what about like resources for people who like want to get involved or like want to maybe start exploring? Exploring. What might they do? Yeah. I think. There are two routes. One is you can read books about it. And the other one is you can meet up with people. Um, I think meeting up with people is a great first step. Go to a class that you find interesting. Okay. And yeah. How do people find that? How do they Google? Like, do you just Google classes? Like, Oh, man. I wish I had a better answer for you. In San Francisco, aerobay.com is a calendar of all the kinky events. Um, I'm sure in other cities they have equivalents, um, but probably like your city, city, BDSM. Okay. So New York, BDSM, New York, kink. Do you recommend working with with experienced, like if you're not experienced to be like working with more experienced people or, or like there's a couple that wants to spice up their life, the sex (laughs) life. Uh, So I think the best way to learn anything is by working with an experienced person. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple could go see a pro. I yeah. love working with couples. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll play with you. <laughs> um, or if that's too much, um, go to a party, a play party. A lot of times people play in public yeah. for safety. She walked in a club like nobody's Well, that was Mina McQueen. Mina McQueen. I was actually very much, like I said at the intro, I was looking forward to this. And I, one of the things that I really liked about talking to Mina was she was talking about how BDSM is this place where she can confront fear in the sandbox. And that really struck yeah. me as one of the reasons why I do it. And then also, I think in some ways, that's kind of what this podcast is for me in some ways. You this know? is BDSM for you. Well, just like... Anything that you care about, you have some like fear with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, And just creating things that constantly push your limits, you know? And this was like the ultimate. And (laughs) listening back to this episode, I feel like I was way more nervous listening to it than I realized where I was in it, which I keep having that happen to me. I don't always notice my nervousness until afterwards. Well, it's funny because you were excited, but then there was definitely some hesitation in your voice. Well, I was like, I want to share this. I want to put myself out there. But at the same time, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm talking but about this. But this you're also weird. putting this out there forever, you know? Yeah. Like, the internet is forever. Um, but I want to do and it. And you can't take it back. <laughs> That's good because I think one of the things that I really 
uh, enjoyed or like one of my favorite takeaways was that like that basically what she's doing is she makes herself uncomfortable to test her boundaries. You know, mm-hmm. like when she first got into it and she was saying like she joined like a like a group where like or went to a dom house where she like was in training or whatever. Yeah, she, she did some workshops. Just, yeah, but the but she talked about specifically the how like a training, not just workshops, but like where she was learning to be a dominatrix and they had to like get involved with um, people who they didn't get to choose necessarily. Like mm-hmm. they were working with new clients and there wasn't that trust there, which I, do, I mean, that could definitely be scary and I don't encourage anyone to do that, but like that it was completely new, you know, like, I mean, it, well, the whole, what she said she took very seriously was like, yeah, not trying any to preconceptions. Yeah. Trying peeing on people and trying. Yeah. To, just real in, taking that to the extreme of like I'm gonna pretend like I am completely innocent like I do not know what I like or don't like yet yeah the only way I'm gonna find out what I really do is taking that approach yeah and so then that really like let her trust her boundaries but like that that instability and that discomfort was like a big part of it she's my my friend you know her Nyla um one of my favorite things that she she, this is a, a an original Nyla quote, I believe, is, um, um, what if it wasn't a boundary, but a frontier? Yeah, that's a great way. To, I think that's why I am so fascinated by the whole construct. Because it is, it's constantly new frontiers and it's about yourself. And oh, yeah, Olivia that's like, loves herself. That's one of the things about, oh, like, oh, wow, I did not know I was going to react that way. That's interesting. Yeah. That's fascinating to me. Well, and like, that's just growth. Growth is discomfort. That's all it is, you know? Um, But, you know, yeah. Like, we don't, you know, we all try it out in different ways. Um, But I also just really liked it in that conversation about like, there were times that she has had, um, like, worked with people who she felt like weren't respectful and weren't you know and like that that building that foundation of respect is essential to to like having that work and like all of her relationships are all super trusting relationships like her partners and um like it's it's enjoyable because there's that level of trust like there's a committed um intentional sense of what they want from each other and like understanding they don't really want to violate the other person and i glad what you you that you mentioned what they want from each other within this construct they trust their intentions and what they're there for and, and then also about. the discretion that comes with yeah. this kind of work exactly because you know because i mean the other thing um i don't know think that we said it like in the actual conversation is like it's not a the kind of it's not a, it's an expensive mm-hmm hobby so you're imagining too that a lot of people who are involved like who seek out doms like a professional dom they probably you know have a certain amount of money and credit and and they like something like this getting out could ruin anybody's reputation doesn't matter what like level you're you know what um economic situation you come from well, but there's there's stigma around that and and so like the discretion and, and safety is like number one right and i guess people assume that on both ends you know it's kind of yeah. uh 
you out me, I out you kind of thing. Yeah. And, and she's not publicly like there are some doms who that is their work very publicly. She also has another, you know, a second career. So that's well, why any pictures you see of her um, that we have, there's no, her face isn't showing. And something we talk about is you're saying a certain amount of economic and maybe even credibility. Uh, there is a trend though with the type of, there's many people attracted to this sort of thing, but the people who get to really explore this side are usually white, well-to-do men who are in a position of power because they can finally, like, they're comfortable in their daily lives to be like, maybe there is a submissive side. You know, maybe there is this closet, like, versus I think it may be harder for, honestly, especially on the on the male side to be, I'm going to even think I have that side if you don't feel stable and secure about what you're doing on your day-to-day. But I actually also like that, like, it's funny because it's almost like that's her creative outlet. Like she has her work. She's actually one of, this is funny. I realized this like, cause whenever people ask what kind of people are on chill and ambitious and I explain the whole life innovator thing and I say, and they try to be, Oh, so they're all, cre-. not everyone is like, not everyone has their own business and whatever, but I realized that she's actually one of the only people who has like a regular, she's one of those people who has a regular nine to five job. Mm-hmm. And this is her outlet. Yeah. This is like, her creativity. This is yeah. her creative outlet. It's like, she's not, necessarily painting maybe she's painting with a whip or like a i don't know paddle but that's really it was i found that 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 was funny like in terms of the guests we've had like she kind of has a normal structure like this is her extracurricular totally yeah and it's so creative in that you're literally creating a scene like a whole world for somebody (laughs) and we actually she says she does some writing as well and it's funny because you can literally she she was into alien play. Like, <laughs> alien. You literally create any sort of world and act it out. It's very fascinating. It was eye-opening for me because I think it just speaks a lot about relationships in general. Like, um, It's almost like all the things that are kind of like sticky about sex with like, but put on the table. It's yeah. kind of like, what do you want? How do you want it? Like, Mm-hmm. What, like, what are you getting from me? What am I getting from you? Like, I think that's kind of like, because those kinds of situations are often like what people feel weird about. And I don't think that they know how to explain, like explain why they feel weird. Like, I don't know, like this is a whole other thing, but I just think that it's really funny. It's taking like all of the, the discomfort and just putting it forward of like, oh, what way does this person like me? Does this person respect me? Like, do I want to do this with that person? In what way, like, am I attracted to this person physically or by their, like, emotionally or intelli- by their intelligence? Like, you know, like, do I want anything more? For- like, it literally is everything. Absolutely. On I, the table. I feel like they almost should re, like, there should be almost like another word for for BDSM. Well, there's the BDSM where it's definitely hardcore. You know, she's talking about the needles and that sort of stuff. I feel like, like there should be like a softer version for just like transparent <sighs> form of communication of sexual needs. Like you could have the most honestly vanilla sex, but just go through that same process. But it's so much better yeah. when you're aware of like what you guys are wanting from each other. And exactly. if like, you're on the same page. Yeah. And then you actually have awareness of the power dynamics Instead of being like, oh, is this guy just using me for this? Or am I just using them for that? And just Yeah, do I just and, want his body? Oh, yeah. oh, you know, we're in New York. So you know how they are. Like, you know, you don't know how they are. This is a person, you know, and you instead of just assuming whatever 
actually having that conversation or if you do have some preconceived notions, at least talk about them and be yeah. like, this seem, you seem like you're this kind of person, da, da, da. But then and see if looks- that read is right or not. <laughs> yeah, I just think it, it gets sticky, but it's weird because it's like, it's literally like, I have this interest. And it requires what we talked about, this theme as being self-expertise is that that requires for you to know what you want to be able to ask what you want from someone else. And I think in our culture, a lot of times we have, we know what we don't want. So we get the flags. Oh, I don't like him because he did this and this. But we're, instead of focusing on the positive, like this is what we're looking for and seeing if that meets it. It's it's a different way of thinking about dating. It, it just yeah. what I feel like I've noticed is generally more like, yeah, this person makes me laugh and I feel good about them until they do da 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 da. And yeah, that's, and then as I said, oh, well, that person, yeah, yeah, does it. So it's a different way to think about, yeah, what are you looking for and how to approach it in your relationships? And this could be applied to, yeah, anything, anything. literally anything. That's anything. why, um, yeah, this is just her vehicle to figuring that out. So maybe, you know, I found out this podcast in some ways is <laughs> another vehicle to figuring that sort of stuff out for me, at least. So uh, this week, what the question you didn't know was relevant question you didn't know was relevant what i think is the natural progression of this would be like do you have something in your uh a mechanism in your life where you can explore confronting your your fears it could be as simple as i do sometimes as simple as like i need to talk to five strangers today i know that's going to put me in a little bit like sometimes it happens very naturally but sometimes if i'm not feeling it if i'm having a shitty day that's going to put me out of my comfort zone to go talk to someone when I'm like, yeah, blah. But I will force myself to do it. And that'll be like a little construct I can create to be like, do something outside your comfort zone today. Yeah. Like, whatever. I don't feel like it. Gonna go talk to that person. Like, see how this goes. It might go, like, might be really awkward, <laughs> but whatever. So like, what do you have in your day-to-day, in your mechanism that pushes your boundaries, that gets you more comfortable in your comfort Um, Gets you comfortable... And being uncomfortable, because if you've been paying attention at all to any of our Chill and Ambitious episodes, that's definitely a reoccurring theme of anyone that's about growth and how they got to where they were. It's definitely getting used to that. Yeah. Um, so this week's review actually is um, more feedback that we've actually gotten from J9 over at Floss Gloss. She, if you remember, she was in season one, episode two, Flossin. Um, she's just like lovely, obviously love her so much, but she actually reached out last week and was just like, seriously re-listening to our episode on chill and ambitious. And just want to let you know, this is one of the best documentations of floss class we've ever had. And I'm so grateful for this interview. It's such great content in like a year later to listen in retrospect. Um, it's like a time capsule. And we just talked a lot. So I re- we were talking back and forth and she just said like, it's crazy to hear that from one year ago because Right now, their whole, their business and their lives are so different. Like they've, you know, like they've done some, a lot of, made a lot of changes, hired some people, like actually got rid of their um, distribution center and we'll probably have them back on soon um, to like have an update. They're in Nordstrom's now. They're in Nordstrom's now. They're in Ricky's all the time. They're in Ricky's. They're also, um, they're launching something with um, now um, in select Charlotte Roos stores. Whoop, whoop. coming up so they've had a lot of changes so it would be great to have them back but it's amazing to hear that kind of feedback from people who were on the show and and like yeah love it. Um, I love that our guests benefit too yeah that's consistent yes that's what that's the life that's what we wanted um so yeah that's actually my favorite review right now 
So yeah, that was our episode. Uh, if you want to learn more about Mina, uh, you should check out her website, minamcqueen.com. Uh, you can also follow her on Twitter. You should follow her Twitter. I like it. Yeah. There's some, she, she posts wants. some things she does. <laughs> um, so she posts some, 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 insta- some instances of things that happen. Um, also check out mistressmorgana.com. Um, and that's the Dom house. That's the Dom house. It's really beautiful. Um, if you're into, into that kind of kink stuff, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful space. Uh, you can find all of that links to all that and resources on our website. We spend a lot of time doing it. So make sure you hit that. Um, our website is chillandambitious.com. Our social media's handles are, all of them are at chillambitious. Correct. Yes. Um, so follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and I am O. And I am no. And we love you. All right. Bye. Bye. I used to be scared of the dick. Now I don't listen to the shit. Handle it like a